I'll get started because it's going to come on anyway and Alan is the master of technology. So that's good. So today we've got the start of another series which is wonderful. Now probably if I was going to ask you what it was some of you would already know but I'm not going to ask you that question. I'm going to ask you can you remember what the last two series were this year already? What have we had? We've had two series. What were they? Isaiah, brilliant. Kings was about two years ago, I think. Yeah, or the year before, last, last year or the year before. So what was, uh, it was, what was that then? Psalms was 2016. Yeah. In fact, we've had 11 different series since January 2016. This is the 11th, rather. All right. So the other one we had was not that, but it was Big Heroes... Small stories, weren't it? Yeah. Now today, and we'll soon sort of see about this, today we're going to have a series which I've called Don't Forget to Pack. And if you've been reading the uh, sort of magazine, you'll have seen it, and it's outside on the list as well. And so all we want to do is think, well, what's John on about now? What are we thinking about? Well, this is the sort of month and next month and last month maybe, when a lot of people go on holiday. Isn't it? Yay, joyfulness and happiness. It's all good. Oh, thank you very much. Are you ready for a new series of talks? Yes, the 11th since January, January 2016. And then here's the next one. Don't forget to pack. What are the essential activities a person should pursue in life? That's what it's all about. That's what we're trying to think about just now. And so what we want to sort of say to ourselves is, well... If we're going on holiday, we can't take everything we want to, can we? Generally. Generally, if you're going on an aeroplane, you've got a weight allowance. If you're going in a car, you've got a boot or a suitcase. Or on a train, you've got a suitcase. You can't take everything you want. Space or weight is limited. You can't take everything you want. You have to think, oh, what are my holiday essentials? So, I want you to think out loud... Don't forget to pack. We've got a picture of some things here. So give me your holiday essentials. What would you be saying? If you were going on holiday today or tomorrow or last week, what do you take? What was essential for you? Sun cream. Oh, there is sun cream here. Medications. That's exactly what we need. If you want to be the best. Oh, sorry, that was dedications. Uh, So medications, if we need some medications, we definitely need to take that. That's very important. Anything else? Passport, Passport, money. Uh, Hats, Hats, oh yeah, so we need clothing and things. Swimming gear. Swimming gear, depends on where you're going. If you're going skiing, perhaps that's not the thing, but it depends (laughs) what you're doing, where you're going, what you think the weather's going to be like. So here's some of my ideas I didn't put money, but uh, that was important, didn't it? Passport, (laughs) tickets, clothing, toiletries, camera, music or a book. You know, you want to entertain yourself in some ways, don't you? Well, not quite. But if you've got a big enough case or you're taking a caravan, then you're going to take the kitchen sink with you, aren't you? So that's all okay. Yeah. So these are things that are important. In holidays. But what about 
if we didn't think about holidays? What are the essentials in life? What are the things that we need to think about every day and use every day? That's rhetorical. You don't need to tell me out loud. Don't forget to pack, but pack what in our life? What are we meant to be packing? What are we meant to be thinking about? What are we meant to be doing? That's the whole essence of these next two months. What are the good things to do? Good activities, good habits, good thoughts to have, good things to do every day or nearly every day. All of us, and this is beautiful, have got 24 hours in a day. If you're going to work it out, if you know your 24 times table, that's 168 hours a week. There are 744 hours in July. We've almost had 11 and a half of them. How are you going to spend the rest of those hours in July? What's the most important to you? In, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8, Paul tells us to think of anything that's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And my suggestion is, don't just think about it. Do those things as well. Don't just think about things that are praiseworthy and noble and right. Go for it. So what are our regular habits going to be? This morning, when we were praying in the music group, and it's brilliant to come as a music group, I often think it's like not just the practice for the music, but a practice for the service. We get ready spiritually to sort of think what's happening and what's going on. Someone was praying, and I was thinking, yeah, we don't just want a habit where we do it without thinking. Like, sometimes I can drive a car, and I can go from one school to the next, and it's just as if I've arrived. I didn't think about it. I was just merrily praying to God or looking somewhere or something, but I've just arrived. And maybe it's like that with you. Sometimes when you're driving or walking somewhere, you don't really think about changing gear, putting your pedal down, indicating you do all those things, but you're just not thinking about it. And my encouragement to myself, as someone's prayed this morning, is not maybe to have a habit where it's just, yeah, I'll go through the motions. I'll do what, it, do what I do because I always do it. But I wrote two words down. Intentional action. The things that we share over the next few weeks, maybe some of us do already, and that's brilliant. Probably most of us, all of us even, do these things that we're going to be thinking about. But we don't want to just do it out of habit, even though I've written that word there. It's an intentional action that we want to take. Put God first. This is our first regular habit, or as I've thought about it today, intentional action. Because if we put God first in our lives, all the other things that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks, they'll just happen, generally. Because we're putting God first, and so we're wanting to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and all the rest of the things that we're going to be looking at. Our thoughts and our attitudes often lead us to the actions that we take. So if I have lots of thoughts and attitudes about me, the actions that I take are often going to be about me. Maybe it's the same with you. 
if you think a lot about you during the day, you're going to be doing lots of things and wonderfulness about you. If we make room for God in our thoughts and in our attitudes, often what will happen then is that actions will happen where God is put first and God is adored. We're going to look at three people that did this, put God first. And for thousands of years, dozens, millions, billions, maybe, millions for sure, of people have put God first in their lives. And like we say, we're going to look at three people just now. Cast your mind back to Moses. he just died. Joshua was now taken over. He was the leader of the Israelites. And God gave him some great advice. We can read it in Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and very courageous. And God doesn't just say it once. He says it several times. Be strong and very courageous. And God always gives good advice, doesn't he? But that was great advice because he knew what was going to come. He knew that the Israelites would need to cross the Jordan. Not easy. He knew that the Israelites would need to take over the land. Not easy. Like, just imagine if you're at Jericho, walking outside, and you see this big city. How would you feel? And yet God led uh, Joshua to do something that seemed really daft. Walk around it. That's, that's surely not what's going to do their business, God. But Joshua was strong and very courageous. He listened to God. Near the end of his life, he got all the leaders of Israel together and he perhaps remembered some of the good things they'd gone through and told them a bit of a history story of the Israelites. But then he says this to them. Now you must fear the Lord. This is Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now you must fear the Lord and serve him in faithfulness and truth. Throw away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Instead, serve the Lord. If you think it's the wrong thing for you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, the gods whom your ancestors served on the other side of the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose territories you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So he was saying to the Israelites... Serve God. That's the thing to do. But you can't serve God and serve these other gods that people do worship. Maybe is God saying that to us? You can't serve me and put your career first. You can't serve me and want to put yourself first in every situation. God is encouraging us to put himself first today to live for him wholeheartedly it's impossible to serve god fully and to serve other gods with a small g in our life so joshua put god first now i think it was alex who mentioned kings uh, a few minutes ago and if you remember when we talked about the kings we did Lots of kings, we talked about it. There was this A3 sheet that you could have had if you'd wanted to and looked at every king and knowing if they were a good king, an evil king, sort of things that they did. There were some good kings, weren't there? We're going to look at one, Josiah. Now, he could have been a totally awful 
terrible, I've written some words down, awful, terrible, bad, disgusting, evil, or plain nasty king. The reason he could have been like that is his dad was a bad king. Amen. His granddad was far worse than I. He was a terrible king, evil, horrible, Manasseh. So he had a family line of evil. Under what the courtiers were like, they were used to that. They were used to having all these evil practices happening in the royal palace and on the hills and in Jerusalem and in various places. How hard was it for Josiah to be a good king, to look, after, to look out for God and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. He wasn't brought up that way, but he knew God was calling him to put him first. Here's a little bit out of 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 2, 3, and 33. Josiah did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father, forefather, and turned aside neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, 16, he began to seek after and yearn for the God of David, his father, forefather. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim, and the carved and molten images. Josiah removed all the idolatrous abominations from all the territory that belonged to the Israelites and made all who were in Israel serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not turn from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. That's a challenge, but it's an encouragement. As Josiah maybe had a bad upbringing because of being with an evil king and his grandfather the same. So he turned his face to God and he said, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to lead this country in godly ways. Josiah put God first. He was 16 when it first started. It was eight when he became king. But he didn't let his age be a problem to him. He said, I've heard God say to me, I'm going to do what God says. Let's think of three other people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, they were friends with Daniel, but they didn't have an easy life either. They were sent to exile. They were sent to Babylon. But they put God first. They decided amongst themselves that we are going to follow God. We are going to do what God says. That's the bottom line. That's how we're going to live. You probably know the story. Here it is. Daniel 3, 16, 17 and 18. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied because Nebuchadnezzar was a king of Babylon and he wanted everyone to bow down to this big image that he created for himself. This is what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. If we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. I like that. They're saying something really sort of punchy, but then they say, your majesty, like that. But if he doesn't, please understand, sir, that even then we will never, under any circumstance, serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have erected. They could have had it easy. They could have said, well, I'll do it outwardly. God knows my heart. It's all right. I'll just do it. And it's not really going to happen. But they were not going to do what he wanted. They were not going to worship false idols. And they didn't care. They knew that they were going to be thrown into uh, this blazing furnace. And that's what happened. But they didn't care. Because 
They put God first. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, as Revelation 12 puts it. Now, I've been thinking about it even this morning because when I'm speaking, I think about it for a few weeks, but then somehow on Thursday and Friday and Saturday night, God speaks to me a bit louder and I seem to get a few more ideas and it gets me all excited. But sometimes I'd like to go out with Jill and on Saturday night, but I'm getting all these ideas about what God's saying. Now, this morning, I thought of this song and I've written it down here. I haven't put it on the uh, overhead. Overhead. Well, that dates me, doesn't it? I haven't put it on the PowerPoint slide. So, uh, and I don't often quote this person, Barry White. I don't often quote Barry White, but he sang this song. You're my first. You're my last. You're my everything. And I was thinking today, as I was sort of saying, put God first, it doesn't end there. Let's think about Barry White, maybe. But let's definitely think about the song he sang, God, you're my first. But I'm not going to put you as the first thing in the day, then I have all the rest of the day for me. God, you're my last. You're my everything. You're everything, Lord, I want. Everything I'm going to follow. You've seen this quote before. Spurgeon. If... If Christ is not all to you, he is nothing to you. He will never go into partnership as a part saviour of men. If he can be something, he must be everything. And if he be not everything, he is nothing to you. You're my first. You're my last. You're my everything. We want God to be number one. But that means we've got to put him first. Give him everything. Let's just consider that a little bit. I've got some scriptures I want you to read and some questions as well. And we're just going to have a bit of a pondering few minutes while we look at these. I've got 20-odd, so if you want to distribute them out... All of them, hopefully, if you're near the end, it might not be one for one, but if you want to just share, if that's all right, some of you. But there's some questions. Either you can think about it on your own, if that's easiest, or if you dare, if you want to, just have a natter to the person next to you, if you want to. You don't have to. But these are the four questions. There's seven scriptures I've put there, and four questions. How do these scriptures encourage me to put God first? Why is it sometimes tricky to put God first? What practical steps can I take this week to put God first? How much of this is a work of God and how much is an attitude I need to work on myself and with others? So we're just going to have a ponder over that, have a natter with someone next to you. And then in a few minutes, I'm going to get a microphone. And if there's something that you want to say, I'll bring the microphone for you because then we can hear it on the internet. Of course, if you want to speak to us, but you don't want to speak on the internet, just say, I'll say it now, but don't put me on because then I'll edit you out. So it's no problem. But if you want other people to hear it now, but you don't want to be on our website, just say that and I'll edit you out. No problem. So just think amongst yourselves and then in... Three or four minutes, I'm just going to ask you any points of view, any ideas, any 
issues that you've thought of? Any spares? Do you want to share with Alan? Alan, that'd be all right. I've put the scriptures on the screen as well, so if you can't sort of uh, see it handily, then you can read it on the screen as well. So how do these scriptures encourage me to put God first? Why is it sometimes tricky to put God first? What practical steps can I take this week to put God first? How much of this is a work of God and how much is an attitude I need to work on myself and with others? I'll just give you another couple of minutes to have a think about it. anyone want to share with what you've been thinking because I'd like you to think about it when you're at home as well that's the idea not just for doing it now and that's an exercise ticked off and done but to continue thinking about it take these home with you anyone want to say anything John yeah I'm thinking about the lordship of me and uh, not me being Lord, but putting God there. There's this, uh, a true story uh, in the, uh, 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 about a Himalayan pass where a traveler, this was some time ago, you couldn't take your four-wheel, and a traveler had become overcome in some way and couldn't continue and was lying there. And a Christian Hindu, Sadhu Sundar Singh, was his actual name, was, he was an itinerant uh, preacher when he was converted. And he, came, he was traveling between villages through this path. And he felt conscience-stricken that he couldn't leave the poor person there who would have frozen to death. And he took this man on his back and carried him. He himself could possibly have frozen to death going over the path. But with the load and the insulation from having someone on his back, he got through. He didn't put himself first. Mm. That's good. Thank you, John. Anyone else want to say something about any of the questions, any of the scriptures? You just think, ooh. Or maybe you don't. Anything else that you just think, yeah, that's made me react to God. That's a tricky one. I'd rather God didn't put that in the Bible. Have a ponder at home. Have a think about it at home, because that way we want to say, well, it's not always easy just to do what God says. 
But we want to do what God says. And we want to look at these and just say, Lord, help me. Help me to follow you with all my heart, with all my strength. You know, putting God first is not always the easy option. It rarely is the easy option, isn't it, putting God first. And a few days ago, some of you will have read about it, but we thought about the Vumba Massacre in last month's Direction magazine. Just in Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, of course, we call it now. And in the 1960s and the 1970s, the Rhodesian Bush War there was about 20,000 people that got killed. Of course, not all of those were missionaries, and there was 13 people that worked for the Ealing Church that got killed. And there's quite a bit of detail in last month's magazine, and if you look on the internet, there's quite a bit more. If you want to just find out about it and just say, well, Lord, thank you for their lives. Thank you that they put you first, even when it was obvious that it was a dangerous place to be. And, of course, it wasn't just Elim that lost missionaries. The Salvation Army, the Anglicans, the Roman Catholics, they all lost missionaries in that area. They were brutally murdered. It's not always easy to do what God says, to put him first. John Wesley said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. In the 1980s, I used to like watching basketball. And so, it's challenge time. You might want to get involved in a few minutes. What we're going to try and do is these basketball players that I watched on Swap Shop and other programs like that were very skillful. Now, because I'm not a very sporty person, I haven't got a basketball at home. I've got this ball. So, you probably noticed, instead of having this lovely plate and flowery things on there, there's a basket there. Can you guess what I want to do? Do you think I'll be able to do it? Who said that? (laughs) Do you think I should be able to do it? What's what's the probability that I can, from here, say... Okay, I'll go a bit closer. What's the probability that I could throw this? It will land perfectly in there, and the basket isn't going to fall off. Okay, look, I've done it before. (laughs) There's one I prepared earlier. Do you think I can do it? Oh, me and Alex, great. Okay, lovely. If I can do it from here, some of you believe in me. Thank you, Alex. Some of you don't. But if I can do it from there, what about if I do it from over here? Do you think that's possible? No, if if I do a bit of a rebound on the wall or something like that? Okay, let's go one step further. What about... This might be why I've created some of the space. What about if I just go from here? Is this possible? No. You sign me up. Yeah. So it's not possible. So if we're thinking of a probability of me doing it, minuscule. I was trying to be kind to myself and not put zero, but I wanted to be, there's a faint hope. 
Okay, so here we go. Are you ready? Right, on second thoughts, what we're going to do is I wonder if I don't do it. Well, so I will still do it from here, but could I get some help? What I want to do is get this ball from right over here to over here in the basket, but without touching the floor. Can someone come and help me? As many as you like. How about, oh, I can hear some good advice coming. F- right, any others? Make a line. Make a line. <laughs> right, any others? Oh, this is fun, this is great. Okay, any, do you think any more people want to have a go to? You just, we've got the idea. Okay, right, so I'm going to throw it to Yvonne, who's going to throw it to Sujin, and I'm going to go onwards, and it's going to be great. I've noticed it's all ladies that are helping me. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> right. Okay, here we go then. Are we ready? Yes. Yeah. So I'm not going to throw it over them. It's not going to be piggy in the middle. I'm just going to throw it to Yvonne and she's going to throw it. And between us, I think we might be able to do it. <laughs> Yay! Great. Thank you very much. On my own, from over there, minuscule, perhaps zero. With help from others, one. It's a certainty, isn't it? I knew, even if I'd practiced, I couldn't do that, really. It's not one of my gifts. But I knew, with us all coming together and helping each other, it was a definite thing we could do. Some people have asked me today already, are we having a baptism today? You've noticed, haven't you? The thing about it, often when we come to church, well, nearly always, the baptistry is covered up. It's far easier to cover things up that are hard work than to see them. It's far easier to pretend it's not there. Because should the baptistry be one of the most used places in the church? And yet, we don't use it so much. Oh, can you put the next one on, Adam? This seems to have gone a bit astray. We can come to church and we can just say to ourselves, that's it, and then the next one as well. We can say to ourselves, let's cover up the difficult bits. On the 26th of March and then the 16th of April, we had two baptisms last year. That was brilliant. And yet, it's just easy to just not think about it anymore. To sort of say, okay, let's just keep it covered It looks nice, but maybe God's calling us to look at what's there, to take the carpet away, if not physically, to at least be thinking about it, so that as we put God first, 
we can see change happening in the town and in our lives and in the church. <coughs> if our aim is simply to fill the, peop- fill the building with people, I bet we could do it. Because we're a talented bunch, aren't we? But we don't want to have filling the church as the primary goal. The primary goal is to put God first. Because as we put God first in our lives, so people will see that we're reacting differently to things that happen in our lives. We work differently. We say things differently. On the front of the magazine this time, but the fruit of the but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. And all of us are like a tapestry, a kaleidoscope, of diff- a spectrum of different ways of loving people. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Often at the end of the service, people will say to me, or I'll say to them, see you next Sunday. And sometimes I really groan inside myself. Because I'm thinking, yeah, it's going to be a week till I see you again. And for me, I feel awful about that. I'd like to see you most days. Have a cheery time. Have a blessed time, look at God's word together, pray together. But it's just the pressures of life at the moment, isn't it? Where we do have to go to work to earn money or we have to do certain things. But wouldn't it be great if we met more often together? Who knows? We might make that happen. But as God helps us and encourages us to put him first, so we know that our lives will be changed It's not the goal of having a hundred people in meeting here every week. It's the goal of being a better disciple, knowing Jesus more, following him, putting him first. When I put this next word on PowerPoint, it did a red line for me. Copiers. But we are God copiers. That's why we're disciples. We're here to copy what Jesus did. He was wild when he was on earth. He said things and did things that people simply didn't expect. I wonder if God is calling us to do wild things for him as he leads us. I've been listening to a few French songs over the last few weeks and I've been enjoying them. And it's made me think of the French language a little bit. And I feel... John and Alex, you'll put me straight on this, I know. That God wants us to say adieu to self and not au revoir. Because au revoir means till I see you again. Whereas I think adieu means I'm not going to see you for ages. I'm going to see you with God, at God. Is that the kind of right sort of thing? Yeah. So what we want to say to God is, to self is adieu. Sin's over there. Adieu. We don't want to say au revoir 
to sin, and like sin's there, and then au revoir, hello again. Au revoir, hello one more time. We want to say adieu, good riddance. And we want to say a big hello to God, a big hello to what he wants us to do. So let's have a recap of what we've been thinking about. It's holiday time, and when you go on holiday time, you have to think carefully about what you want to pack. You can't just put everything in a suitcase and hope for the best. You have to put the necessities. And we were saying earlier as well that life is just like that. We can't just put everything in our life and just expect that God will come out number one. We want God to be number one, but we have to decide. We have to have our intentional actions. William Law said, he was an Anglican curate, if you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will in the end make no difference what you have chosen instead. God is number one. God wants to be number one. But putting God as number one means we have to sort stuff out in our lives. My people are guilty of two evils, Jeremiah said. They have abandoned me, the spring of living waters, and instead they have settled for dead and stagnant water from cracked, leaky systems of their own making. Put God first. We know this very well. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name put away their pride and pray and look from my face and turn from their sinful ways, adieu, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Yesterday, when we were sort of praying together, about ten of us met, ten of us met, uh, someone came with Hosea 6, verses 1 to 3. Let us return to the Lord. Let us acknowledge the Lord. And then someone this morning uh, sort of told me about Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I'll let you live in this place. God is calling us to put him first. If I was standing over there and trying to throw a ball, very tricky. But together, we did it. If I try and do what God says without the encouragement and the love and the joyfulness of meeting with you, I'd find that very tricky. As we put God first, we need to put God first together. We need to do it individually, but we need to put God first together. I wonder if the current problems in the Neaton are because of an ineffective church. The shooting that was in Atterborough this week. The things that are going on in schools. The violence that is happening. The burglaries that are happening. 
Is it because we're ineffective? God is calling us to put him first. Not just today, but every day. And we can only do that together. So why is the carpet up? To remind us that we're here to look outwards. Not to have a jolly together, but to get equipped here. And then to work and talk and spread the news about Jesus. So instead of once in a while being opened, it's regularly used. God wants us to grow in our hearts, in our lives, in our spirits. All we need to do is say, Lord, you've called me to be your child. I'm taking your hand. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. So we're going to pray, we're going to worship. And we're just going to respond. There's communion we're going to take in a little while as well. I'm just going to say, Lord, you are the best thing in my life. I love you. I want to follow you. So let's just pray and then we'll worship a little bit and respond to what God might say to us a little more. Thank you, Lord, for being our saviour, for changing us. Thank you, Lord, for calling us by name. Thank you, Lord, that your calling hasn't stopped. That you're calling us to carry on being your disciple, to carry on learning, to carry on giving our all to you. And Lord, we want to obey. Today we choose to follow you. Today we choose to say, yes, you are still our saviour. You are our God, our Lord. I take me from the lordship of my life and give it to you, Lord. Be Lord of my life. Amen.